Hey Ranger Rouge, you know at Halloween time when you're out trick-or-treating, you gotta make sure that the candy's safe. So you should have a grown-up check it for you. Kinda like this. Looks like all the candy was okay. Have a safe Halloween. <laughs> Hello, kitties. Welcome to Horror Month on the Deep Dive Podcast. There will be lots of tricks and maybe a few treats in store. <laughs> so put on your mask, you know, for safety reasons. And listen, if you dare. <laughs> It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! I am Dracula. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Ooh, spooky. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh hello, demon divers. Ooh. Welcome to week three of Horror Month. At Is it week the three already? Week three, I said, <laughs> uh, at the Deep Dive Podcast. So every week in October, my co-ghost, Manda, and I. <laughs> That's still awesome. Oh, yes. We are going to break out the holy water and exercise some of our favorite fright flicks available on screaming services. Ooh. I'm going to stick with that because I like it. It's good. Uh, I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wank's Chop Movie Magazine, which is available on Amazon.com. And joining me here in Studio D, where the D stands for demonic, Ooh. the Mandalorian herself. Hello, Ooh. Amanda. Hello. And as of this recording, we're less than two weeks away from Mandalorian Season 2. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. We need some goodness in 2020, and the trial is going to be it. See, now, for me, it's like, it's like all good stuff because uh, Star Trek Discovery just started its third season. Nerd. And... Hey, guilty. And, of course, Mandalorian yep. begins on Halloween, mm-hmm. which is going to be quite awesome, I will tell you. I'm excited. I am, too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because, frankly, we need some good news. Yes, we do. And since, it, uh, since Mandalorian premieres uh, only a few days before uh, the presidential election, <laughs> uh, this very well could be uh, our last chance uh, at having a good time. It's like so, a sedate sedating moment it's it's xanax it's xanax. which actually sounds like a star wars character i mean yeah. yes captain xanax <laughs> i'm not gonna fight you on that yes exactly nor should you <laughs> so week three horror month we're having a good time now this week i think should be more fun than a barrel of mutated malevolent monkeys and um so pretty low bar there well i would think but yeah <laughs> so there you go now for those of you who are big fans of the show, mm. and I'm speaking hypothetically because we really don't know <laughs> if we have any big fans of the show. That's just how we roll here. Uh, we've got some limited edition mm. merchandise yeah, that do. I am currently wearing. Yes. Uh, and that's all. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of show. Uh, Amanda, tell us more about our 
super merch. Well, they are super limited, in fact. They mm -hmm. are our deep dive 2020 Halloween t-shirts, and they're comfortable, and they're clean for the most part. And you can get your slimy uh, hands mm. on one of them Ooh. at our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. Head over to our merch stand. And if you fancy picking up a couple more, we've got plenty of options for you. That's right. And you know what? We might even make this like a thing. We might make it a thing. I'm, I'm trying to come up with some ideas for like maybe a, uh, uh, a holiday season. Yeah. Uh, in December. Like a Hanukkah one. Yes. Like a Hanukkah one. Festivus. Yeah. You know, Kwanzaa. that kind of thing. Kwanzaa. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and there's another one that I'm, I forget. Um, Easter? No, no. It's earlier. It's a bigger one. Um, um, I, uh, what's oh. it called? Yule, Yuletide? That's close. It's um, very close, but uh, uh, it's on Midnight the tip Mass? of my tongue. No, 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 too religious. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of something that might be both religious and secular at the same time. <gasps> Do tell. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I know. What? New Year's Eve. Yes. That's what it is. That's the one. Good. Thank <laughs> you. I was, I was gonna, that was going to haunt me. Literally, because it's, you know, horror month. But anyway, these are limited edition t-shirts. Limited mostly because... They don't make them until you buy one. So <laughs> how much more limited could it possibly be? But that's basically eco-friendly. Eco-friendly. Yeah, and we and, are eco-friendly here at the Deep Dive Podcast. ego-friendly because it will boost your ego. <laughs> yes. Because everyone will want one. This is true. They that's are right. pretty cool. They're pretty stunning. You're, you'll be very popular. Yes. That is a promise that we cannot keep. And you can wear it on Zoom calls on your last interview or your last Ooh. day. Yeah. And it will be your last day to wear one <laughs> yeah. at work. But not at home, because, like, that's what we're doing. Yeah, well, you know. Working but I mean, home. But I'm in the studio. We are working from home, yes. and I'm in the studio, and it's great, because it's been, like, six months. Exactly. And we're getting together for our favorite time of the year. Halloween. So it's just, it's fun all around. So we've got some things to celebrate. Plus, our picks are going to be real. I think they're going to be really fun, because I've got, oh, man. Oh, man. I, I don't know how we want to do this, but I was kind of doing things that are, like, so bad that they're good? Aha, yes. Kind of thing? Yes. Okay. That is exactly okay. where I was uh, thinking about. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just like just like your relatives. like Or pizza. We, yeah, we all have movies we know are bad. Mm -hmm. But we love them nonetheless. You know, like crazy <laughs> uncles and things like that. Uh, and I think horror movies really kind of uh, fit in well oh, yeah. with, with this sort of thing because horror movies are especially hard to get right. Yes, yes. There is no fine line between mm -hmm. gold and garbage here. Mm -hmm. It's it's a chasm, really. It's not like rom-coms where they could be great or yeah. kind of eh. Yeah, yeah. So, but we're not going to talk about horror movies that are just okay. These <laughs> ones are indisputably awful in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But they're amazing. But they're amazing. Yes. Now, the always reliable Urban Dictionary, and don't quote me on this. <laughs> oh, no. Has a term for this phenomena. I mentioned it briefly in the last oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Bodega. And, no, close enough. Mm. It's called Bulldada. Oh, right. And the Urban Dictionary defines <laughs> Bulldada as, and I quote, that which is brilliant specifically because it is unintentionally stupid. So I'm trying to think of. So, like, cult films. Cult films would fall into yeah, that. Yeah, so bad, it transcends its inherent crumminess and becomes good. Zoolander. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the classic example is Plan 9 from Outer Space by Ed Wood Jr. Uh, so bad that it's, like, it's, so, it's entertaining because it's bad. I almost, honestly, almost put that as one of my picks. Because I've seen it once before. Yeah. And I was like, a, you know. Eh. But then I was like, yeah, no, because I don't know if I can objectively 
convey its goodness through how much bad it is. Yes, that's a difficult thing to do, you but know? we're going to try. Yeah. So what, what actually is your pick? Okay, I'll give you my first one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, let's set the scene. The year... Kind of. Sorry, I was trying to set the scene. <laughs> Go ahead. 1966. Ooh. Postal stamps are five cents. Oh. Vietnam War is raging. Ooh. And the U.S. and the USSR sign a treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons in space. Well, that worked out. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, by all accounts, and of course I don't know for sure, but by all accounts, it's a pretty interesting year. Mm. It is also the year that gave us the worst film called Menace, The Hands of Fate. Yes. Wait, you, you mean Manos? Well, I, I don't know if it was Menace or Manos. I, I think, think it's, it's Manos. Man- I think it's Manos, because I, I, I saw that on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, thank you for spoiling it. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> now. <laughs> it was already spoiled this, before yeah, well, I got there. All right. The, let, me, let me just say here, um, I'll, I think what I might do is actually give you the fun facts of this movie sure. <laughs> before I go into it mm. um, to set the scene even more. This film had a budget of uh, just under $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, but funny enough, the actors weren't paid. They were going to be paid uh, later on in the share of the profits. Good luck. Yeah. Um, the director also produced it and wrote it and starred in it and he hired his local actor buddies from a local theater troupe so i mean thank you right there i think you understand the bar that we're talking about low Uh, yeah Mm. very low (laughs) (laughs) the uh in order to gain publicity for the film the director thought you know let me try and get uh, someone famous in there. Well, of course, nobody really wanted to be part of this movie. <laughs> so he decided Smart. to take the <laughs> the main actress and secretly enter her in a beauty contest in the event or in the hopes that she might win and then become Miss Texas and then eventually become Miss America to, again, gain publicity. She had no idea. How are you secretly beautiful? What? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Everyone's beauty on the inside. Mm. But she, she didn't know. But eventually she was like, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm going to assume that she did not make it to Miss America. Uh-huh. Um, but th- that kind of just set me the wrong way. I was like, so you just, you know, put her in that contest? Hmm. Whatever, you know. Um, he also decided, you know what? I need to have some pretty women in this movie in order to g- gain popularity. Again, right? Appealing to the... Uh, masses as it were for the eye of beauty right mm. so he decided he was gonna uh, contact a modeling agency because they had those in the 60s that was big in the 60s yeah. right like tweety or twitty twiggy twiggy there you go oh boy. <laughs> so he decided to uh, hire these modeling uh age these women right and they were gonna play um a specific role called the wives of the master uh but actually one of them she broke her foot in the very beginning so he said well and and I'm going to keep you in the film. I just got to figure out what to do with you. You can't walk. You can't really sit. Can't do anything. So he developed a completely bizarre, non, like the scene doesn't make any sense whatsoever. (laughs) It's um, she and another guy, they're supposed to be teenagers, like on a night out in their car. Right. But the, the movie has nothing at all to do with them. There's no plot for them. It's just inexplicably tied into the film (laughs) now i should mention this is 16 millimeter film this is like old right yeah so it was even more bizarre because there were these weird jump cuts and these (laughs) weird things where like um films kind of got smushed together and you can see parts of other scenes um fun fact someone in 2011 actually had a kickstarter going where they raised over forty five thousand dollars in order to take this film and put it onto blu-ray 
because it's one of those films that gained the cult status. And it's because of it was showcased on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> by this guy called Frank Conniff. Now, I didn't really... <laughs> I didn't really know what this oh, was. Frank. Um, turns out it's a comedy show that highlights B movies and some of the creepy sciencey ones and like horror ones, but it actually became like a, a, a huge, huge phenomenon. People loved this show and it had spinoffs and it even had a television, um, I think like series. And also they had a video game for it, which is bizarre. But anyways, uh, so because the day the actors had day jobs, they predominantly filmed at night among uh, the moths that were attracted to the lights and the heat lamps for the cameras. Oh. So they're actually some of them are burned into the film itself. I guess there's one scene where you can see that I didn't pay I didn't pay attention. But yeah, and the best part, I think, of this movie, which I, I think really, really lets you know where it's going. It was it was premiered right uh, in a theater, local theater. As part of a benefit event, which um, supported the local cerebral palsy foundation. <laughs> oh, that's a little on the nose, isn't it? Oh, wow. I don't mean to laugh, but like, wow. really, you couldn't get anything else. Like, okay, whatever. So, just just to say, everybody that's listening, take note. Manda thinks cerebral palsy is funny. No, I don't. No, no I don't. <laughs> oh man. Oh, this game, this movie also had three sequels. How do you make sequels out of things that are so bad? Like, who pays for these things? Um, I'm gonna wait to give you the scores until after I'm done, right? So let me just tell you about the plot in the movie. Oh boy. Yeah, what a plot it is, too. <laughs> so uh, Michael and his wife Margaret and their daughter Debbie and their little pooch are they're on a road trip because back in the 1960s that's what it was right mm. like you bought this convertible this giant boat car and you went on a road trip that's what people did Route right 66 baby yeah which to be honest i kind of wish i could drive that like during that time too i think that would be a fantastic yeah. thing yeah. but um so they're they're on this road trip and they get lost which is inevitably always what happens right and they're looking for somewhere to stay and they find, as you do, just a creepy little house by the side of the road. <laughs> well, why not just, you know, walk up there and see if someone could help us out? You know, it's kind of like the plot of every horror movie. Like Rocky Horror Picture Show starts off that way. They get lost and go to the castle. Hey, you know. <laughs> um, so Michael decides, you know, what? hey, we're just going to go see if we can stay for the night or if they can give us directions or whatever they can do. They're greeted by a man who identifies himself as Torgo. <laughs> <laughs> now Torgo, uh, um, he's, in fact, he's described as being like a satyr like, and I didn't really know what satyr like was outside of the Disney film Hercules, mm. but they're it's weird. They've got like the face of a goat and like you know like horns and stuff, and they also have like you know some personal business, but like. <laughs> In any case, he he basically is like the caretaker of this this house, and he says that he takes care of things while his quote master is quote away. I am Torgo. I take care of the place while the master is away. But the child, I'm not sure the master would approve, or the dog. The master doesn't like children. We only want to know where Valley Lodge is. Which way do we go? There is no place like that around here. Um, and as you do in the 1960s, you take him for his word and you decide, you know what? He's not that bad. Whatever. Yeah. Well, creepy things start happening, right? Because why wouldn't they? The family discover a creepy painting of a large black dog and think nothing of it. But then their poor little dog ends up like 
just being killed in some really random and torturous way to which where Michael goes outside to try and hide it from his family, has to bury the dog. And, and while that's happening, Turgo is trying to flirt with his wife, Margaret, because he loves her. Mm, it's this yeah. weird groping thing. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's very awkward, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> then he comes back and before that, Torgo says, hey, if you don't say anything to your husband, I will keep you safe, which is the first indication, at least for Margaret, that something is not right. So through exploration, a door is opened and then the master is revealed and he's sleeping amongst his many wives. These wives that are in these white flowing togas. <laughs> it, it's just like it's Greek tragedy. And I think the, the viewer knows it right then and there like, oh, OK, this is supposed to be like, you know, like something in the fates or whatever. It is called the hand of fate. So mm. um, Michael, Mark, uh, Margaret and Debbie are struggling to get away from the master. The, the women fight amongst themselves because the, what the objective here is to kill the men and then take all the women presumably this happens quite a bit um to be the wives of the master well they're fighting amongst themselves because the young daughter debbie is too young and they're the cat fight ensues and so the master comes down and he actually ends up sacrificing torgo and one of his wives and then it's just kind of a blur and then the movie jump cuts they're trying to escape right so margaret and michael and debbie are, are trying to escape they're struggling through the the desert looking to flee whatever Margaret trips over. She's like, oh, I can't go any farther. And then the, the scene shows like a rattlesnake and everyone's like, ooh, whatever. Fun fact, it turns out the presence of a rattlesnake is pretty well known in like Christianity for being like the devil, which I didn't know. But um, the movie then ends and all of a sudden you're like, what happened? <laughs> Again, with these jump cuts to another random couple of women who are also on a road trip who also get lost and who also end up mm. at that house and in this case you know who greets them michael michael uh, is the new torgo michael is the new orange is the new black <laughs> michael is the new torgo and he's and he's like in this weird like like i don't want to say in trance but he's like under a spell almost mm. he's like i am the caretaker while the master is away and then you see that margaret and the daughter are sleeping next to the master in the same white gowns and they're basically wives now so it is by far probably the silliest plot because there really isn't too much of a plot right you can't really what yeah. what is the meaning here other than it was a haunted house or like some demon or whatever. There's just no substance to it. But it, after all the fun facts I told you, and, and actually after Mystery Science Theater 3000 actually made it popular again, it's become like this cult classic. People think that it, it being the worst film by far means it's the best. Now, to the scores. IMDb gives <laughs> a 1.9%. Ouch. Oh, it gets better. Oh. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 0%. Oh. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes has a 20% audience score. Wow. So, all right. Th- this is weird, right? And I hadn't believed... Okay, here's a truth time. I hadn't seen it since... Uh, till today. <laughs> because I was... I had two other picks left, left it out. And then I happened to be searching Wikipedia for creepy things, which led me down to Roman mythology and then Greek mythology and then satyrs and then this guy, Torgo. Oh. Turns out the Wikipedia page for this movie has the movie entirely on it for you to watch wow on wikipedia that's interesting it's bizarre i've never mm. seen that before i mean i've, I've of course uh, they they have snippets of movies and and people talking and whatnot but this is the in film in its entirety wow so um it, <laughs> i'm going to assume it is the blu-ray uh, captured version because the quality is horrendous yeah well um you can't polish a turd <laughs> 
but I, I, I think you need to watch it just for the pure fact that none of it makes sense. And you, you think, well, that was really funny. And it, I mean, I do, I laugh at some of the bits. I mean, when they're, when she falls, when Margaret falls over, oh my gosh, I was, I was at my desk and my husband's like, what are you laughing so hard at? But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely probably the worst film I've ever seen, but also <laughs> some of the, the funniest. And, and I think the aftermath and the life of the film afterwards is what makes it yeah. classic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you, can, if you can watch the uh, MST3K version, <laughs> you should. that's also funny. Um, also there are clippets on YouTube, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and you can actually buy the Blu-ray version, from what I understand, on eBay. But you don't have you to. You don't need really? to. No, don't. go to the Wikipedia. You'll yeah, be fine. that's fine. Did you know, by the way, this is interesting, uh, that the original title for Avengers Endgame was Thanos, the Gauntlet of Fate. That <laughs> is, a, yeah, that is entirely not true. <laughs> oh, Thanos. Mm. Now, I know Manos or like Manos is like means hand in so many languages, especially yeah. the Romance languages. So in Latin and Spanish and yeah. Portuguese. But um, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I think the concept was... This is the fates, meaning like the women who predict the future and whatnot and who inevitably will, I guess, cause the future. But then I don't understand what the master comes in. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I always saw it as, you know, it is if you get lost and, and you wind up there, you are fated to take over as caretaker. Oh, like that is your destiny. I it's, guess that's where. Know, yep. Okay. Now that know. makes that's sense. That's what I. That's how I interpreted it. Anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm I probably know. not going to watch it again to find out, but I will take mm, your. Nope. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So. But you know that Planet Nine movie? I think it's also from the '60s, maybe mm -hmm. or maybe yeah. late '50s. I think it was early '60s. Maybe. Early '60s. Yeah. I thought about it, and I'm like, I wonder. And I was reading the Wikipedia for it, and I'm like, this makes so much sense. But you know what? It makes too much sense. Let me go to the one that makes none. Yeah. Plus, that's you know, it, uh, <laughs> that's been. Talked about for a Forever. long, you know. yeah. So it's yeah. not exactly like obscure. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's not. And you know, <laughs> uh, actually, my first pick is not obscure either. Wow, um, new yeah. for you. I know, I know. But it, it's something that I really uh, want to talk about. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get into this. Ooh. So when it was unleashed into theaters in the winter of 1973, The Exorcist was a cultural phenomenon. Mm. So the story of a priest struggling with his faith while trying to free an innocent girl possessed by a demon, right? So never before had a film so unnerved audiences. People fainted in the theater. They vomited. They had to leave. They had to leave in disgust. Uh, the movie was a gut punch to audiences who were not expecting that kind of visceral experience, right? right. It was a huge success for Warner Brothers, for the screenwriter, William Peter Blatty, and for the director, William Friedkin. So, <laughs> naturally, a crappy sequel had to be made to it. Because that's how things work in Hollywood. Um, I knew that there was a sequel, but I didn't realize that it... Wait, okay, explain, because I'm confused. I thought she died. Okay, so here's the thing. Originally, Warner Brothers just wanted to poop out a cheap sequel that basically just rehashed the original, right? Oh, why? Yeah, well... That's because it was a, it was a money grab. Mm. Uh, looking back, that was actually probably a better idea than what they actually wound up making. <laughs> uh, but at the end of The Exorcist, essentially, uh, Father Karras uh, took the demon into himself and jumped out the window in the top floor of the, the house in Georgetown and, you know, took a tumble down that huge 
flight of stairs, yeah. uh, which I have been to, and it is really creepy. Ooh. Uh, and then the girl was freed from the demon. Right. And she survived. Linda Blair's alive. Yeah. She's alive at the end of the movie. She has no memory of what occurred. Mm, convenient. Convenient, yes. But that ties in to the movie itself, the sequel. Now, since neither the original writer or director wanted anything to do right. with the sequel, right. they hired British filmmaker John Borman to direct. Now, he had been nominated for a Best Director Oscar a couple years before for his backwoods thriller, Deliverance. Yeah, none of that. Stop it with banjos. Anyway... Borman's next film, After Deliverance. Oh, come on. I told you we couldn't trust uh, these people. You picked them up outside and you're like, hey, want to be a producer for our show? And you, they were like, yeah, sure. And you're like, cool, we'll give you brownies. I know, but every time I mention the movie Deliverance, oh, come on. You set yourself up for that. I did, didn't I? Anyway, never mind that. What a delivery that was. So his next film, After no, that <laughs> was an incomprehensible sci-fi film called Zardoz <laughs> that had Sean Connery wearing a red diaper and taking orders from a giant floating stone head. Yes, it's as bad as it sounds. <laughs> okay. It's too bad for this show, which is saying a lot. So John Borman, the director, needed a hit. Exorcist 2, The Heretic, was not it. In 1974... A motion picture shocked the world. It has become one of the most acclaimed and successful films in history. The Exorcist is a classic in its own time. And now, Warner Brothers takes you a step beyond. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Starring Linda Blair, Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max von Sydow, James Earl Jones. Their minds locked together with the most terrifying vision of all. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Mm. There were a lot of problems during the production of this movie. And like, some after as well. Like creepy problems? Eh, no, not creepy problems. But, mm. I mean, there were people, there were reports of people getting sick, uh, you know, getting, the, getting weird diseases and like, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. But in a truly awful nutshell, let me explain. <laughs> A Catholic priest, played by a sleepwalking Richard Burton, is sent to investigate the circumstances surrounding the possession in the original movie. His name is Father Lamont. Hmm. And he goes to seek out the now 18-year-old Reagan McNeil, once again, played by Linda Blair. Uh, she still claims to have no memory of her possession years earlier, but is seeing a therapist to try to revive her suppressed memories. Like, why, though? Right. Why would you want to relive that? No, no. Ugh. Now, her therapist is using a kind of uh, experimental form of hypnosis. Of course. Which involves 
a what kind of looks like a, a a metronome with a light on it, and <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, uh, hmm. you have to see this to believe it. Now here's the freaky part. So Father Lamont agrees to participate in a, hip, a hypnosis experiment. Mm. So both Father Lamont and Reagan are hypnotized at the same time with this device that hypnotizes both of them. So now they're linked like mentally mm-hmm. with this thing. And he is able to kind of dive into her memories and see what happened to her. This is so meta. It is. It's very meta. And even uh, during, so there was a scene in the original film, right? Father Karras, who's the younger priest, leaves the room and the older priest, Father Marin, who was played by Max von Sydow, huh. uh, is left alone with her, the demon. Ooh. When Father Karras comes back to Reagan's bedroom, Father Marin is dead. <gasps> and that's kind of when uh, Father Karras kind of loses it, gotcha. grabs Reagan, like starts hitting her and then says, take me. Uh, and the film, you know, that's what happens in the end. So in Exorcist 2, we get to see kind of what happened during those minutes where Father Karras was not in the room and the demon was alone with Father Marin. And it's a creepy scene, no doubt. Uh, and it's probably the only really good thing in the film because it is such a, a, a weirdly odd and well-shot kind of a scene. But that's pretty much all that's really good. Now... Uh, so Father Lamont, in this sort of vision during the hypnosis, has this uh, sort of uh, crazy uh, thing that he he's flying on the back of a locust in Africa and sees a younger Father Marin, who is in a cameo by Max von Sydow, who returned, uh, that he that a young Father Marin exorcised the same demon from a young African boy. And while on a mission. Okay. Right? Now, okay, so now if you're confused, yeah. uh, just wait. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Now, the demon is represented as a swarm of African locusts. Okay. Mm, okay. Following along? Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> now, so Father Lamont discovers that the child, the African child, who was uh, possessed is now an adult mm-hmm. and is a like a, a, a and studies locusts. Oh. So he's a scientist course, who studies yeah. locusts and it's played by James Earl Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now everybody has to kind of get together and figure out how to destroy the demon once and for all. And it's just this whole it's this whole mess at the end that, you know, they all go back to the house the original house for some reason and like everything goes haywire and there's all kinds of you know explosions and crap and locusts flying fake locusts like being thrown at people you can tell you can tell what they did they got these fake like fake bugs and like dumped them in front of a fan <laughs> and they're like blowing all over the place wow that's some really cheap vfx yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i mean they really didn't have much to work with at the time so uh but this movie it appears to have, you know, the filmmakers are like we're dropping acid or something during this because it just makes no sense at all. Now, 
the film, when it opened in theaters, had a really good opening weekend in 1977. But the critical response was so bad that Warner Brothers did something that was kind of unprecedented at the time. It basically recalled all existing prints of the movie. What? Yeah, they like took them back. And the director actually took a few days to recut the film. He trimmed several minutes of it and added some different scenes, but it was too late. Audiences exorcised the film from their minds and Exorcist to the Heretic became synonymous with big budget failures. Now, uh, there are several different versions of this film floating around. What? Uh, I think the DVD has both the original theatrical release and the edited version, which is, I think it's like seven minutes shorter. And it takes some stuff out and adds some stuff in there. And there's another version that I think that was edited for television that has some different shots and things in it, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm sure it didn't make it any better. Right. But why do I like this film? Okay. Because it looks like a bunch of people who never saw The Exorcist in the first place were given a ton <laughs> of cash and told to make a sequel. Uh. It fails on every single level, but it fails so spectacularly. You can't help but be mesmerized by it. It's like kind of like watching a middle school theater production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Like, what were you <laughs> thinking? What were you thinking? So it's just one staggeringly bad idea after another, and I, for one, can't get enough of it. That uh, That's, what do they call it, a bull data? Yes. That's a bull data. Yeah, dada. that is exactly right. Now, let's get to the scores, because Ooh. this is interesting. Exorcist to the Heretic gets a 3.8... <laughs> Out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database. <laughs> okay. And a whopping 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. So right there, it's better than Manos, The Hand of Fate. In terms of scores, yes. Yes. Now, if you want to watch this steaming pile of greatness, it is available to rent on most major streaming services, like your iTunes, like your Prime Video, like your Voodoo, for $2.99. There you have it. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Now, before, before I finish this... Ooh. There have been other Exorcist movies, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, I am I, I'm not alone in this opinion, by the way, that Exorcist 3 is freaking brilliant. Like, actually brilliant. It was written and directed by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the original film and the novel that it came from. He wrote and directed this movie, and it is awesome. So skip two if you have to, but... Three is actually really, really good, and I kid you not. What makes him like not want to do two, but then wants to do three? Because two was so bad. He had to reclaim he the... He did. Okay, okay. And it was based on another novel that he wrote that was a sequel to the book. So he oh, wrote okay. a sequel to the book that he originally wrote, The Exorcist. Okay. And he made that into a movie, which the studio called Exorcist 3. He didn't want to call it that. He was like, why? It's not... I mean, it's got characters from the movie in it, but it's not specifically about that. Right. But the studio said, no, you have to call it Exorcist 3. And he was like, eh, well, whatever. I have no control. So that's what it was. I bet that was just to kind of cash grab again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know. But, but if it turned really, out well. Yes, it's a great movie. Yeah. I didn't know it existed. So yeah. I will... I, I mean... I think this leads me to my second pick mm, pretty okay. well. Okay. Um, I have to say something that you might be uh, shocked at. Oh, dear. There is one type of horror that uh, penetrates my soul to the point where I don't watch the films. 
that is exorcisms. Oh. It terrifies me. M- more than spiders, more than, I mean, I'm just about anything horror related. I typically can see the gimmicky side of it and I enjoy it. Like, I love vampires and all that stuff and ghosts and all that. But when it comes to exorcisms, something about being the host for something else mm. creeps me out. And it's not like it's the fly with Jeff Goldberg, right? Because he chose to do that and he just like merged with the fly. This is all like you have no control and your body's yeah. being thrown around from the inside. Um, so that leads me to my uh, second pick um, that I didn't actually like because it's this topic, mm-hmm. but I thought it was probably one of the being one of the only few exorcism movies I've seen uh, accurate to my own fear and it and it terrified me I am of course uh, talking about the exorcism of Anna Eklund 2006 film hmm. now here's the funny sort of thing uh, Anna Eklund was a real woman she was a real housewife she lived in uh, the late 1880s and passed away about mid 1940s um, she was allegedly, allegedly, uh, suffering demonic possession or possession, 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 right? Yeah. That's the word, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> that apparently occurred over several decades, right? So it wasn't this case like within Linda Blair and she was like, oh, this one night pretty showed up in my door and then it was all done by the next morning. No, this is talking like years and years. And, you know, um, she was said to have exhibited symptoms that were, uh, quote, akin to possession, uh, beginning around the age 14, 15, um, and this then kind of became a, a nationwide case. So um, in 1912, she underwent an exorcism by Father Theophilus Reisinger. He was a priest originally from Bavaria, so Germany, um, and he had been a monk at, at a, a church well known for performing successful exorcisms. Yes. How's that measured, I wonder? Uh, th- th- exactly. You just take your word for it. Yeah, there's no longer a demon in my body. Yeah. What's the, okay, pause. What is that film where Jim Carrey is like, exercise the demons? Is that, um, ew, is it Ace Ventura? Probably. I, I don't know. Uh, th- uh, oh, man, I, that's going to bug me until I find out. But, like, he, it, there's one scene where Jim Carrey does his whole Jim Carrey thing, and he just goes, exercise exercise the demons and that has stuck with me for probably about a decade and i don't know where it's from <laughs> in any case um so this this monk word gets case out of uh word gets about anna's case gets across the ocean right so this this german priest comes over and basically starts to, to exercise her now what do these things consist of well of course is the typical holy water mm, sure there's the typical bible and, mm. and a crucifix and all yeah. this fun stuff but it also involves bloodletting and uh cinching and tightening mm. and and stretching and basically the idea is that whatever torture you do to the human they can't feel it you're just torturing the demon Right. So think of like medieval torture racks, but like in the 1920s, because Mm. they're trying to get the demon out. Um, She apparently was hissing like a cat. She supposedly uh, flew in the air and um, was writhing and like speaking in different tongues. I mean, that's like the classic thing, right? These demons speak in different tongues. Uh, Usually it's like ancient Latin, right? Because everyone believes that's a whatever. They they use that language as a cop-out, in my opinion. Mm. I studied Latin in high school. I love Latin, but if you unless you're a medical professional, you don't really know too much about it. So they're like, cool. Horror makers are like, all right, cool. What, what, what creepy language can we use? Let's use Latin. Yeah, just do what the Pentecostals do, and it's like sort of gibberish. 
at least it's not like Georgian monk chanting. Have you actually, you know what? I take that back. That's actually kind of soothing to listen to. Hmm. Okay, I digress. Uh, in any case, the exorcism of Anna was so um, extensive, as it were, hmm. that it resulted in her basically dying. So she was so weak and so, um, you know, exhausted, and she could barely speak. She refused to eat and eventually just died of starvation and whatnot. But um, she apparently was able to speak in multiple languages, and several several people are witness to her uh demonic possession now here's the thing um I, there wasn't much about her that i knew i didn't really know anything about her until I, this movie popped up uh, on my amazon prime list and um funny fact they have this thing on hulu too called huluween and huh. the exorcist is on that by yeah. the way in case you wanted to see that but um it, amazon prime and i was like oh, okay you know i don't really like it but i've never seen the exorcist so i'll give it a go thinking that it was part of that storyline hmm. because in my mind anything with that is akin to the exorcist mm, right yeah yeah you say the exorcist everyone knows what you're talking about yes but you say something like this, you're like, oh, it's that's that movie, right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, th this movie is, of course, highly stylized because one can never prove that one is possessed by a demon. Um, but the weird thing is that it it was terrifying. Um, it was it suppressed any oxygen I had in my body because at some <laughs> points I just did not want to breathe because I was terrified. Um, it, it's violent and and the the thing that gets me too is that the front cover of the of the movie says based on a true story mm. <laughs> as, if, as if they're supposed to lend it more credibility but it's just yeah anyways let let me just <laughs> all right imdb gives it a 2.4 uh 2.4 okay um and it doesn't have uh any other ratings there's a 13 rating on metacritic so 13 uh but yeah that yeah, so where can you find it? It's basically, it's on Amazon right now. You can rent it for three ninety nine, or if you have Prime, you can watch it. That's really only where you can find it. It's banned in certain countries. Oh. Because it's, and it's funny thing, it's that based on true story bit mm. that has it so, um, what's the word? Like, it it's banned in certain countries because of the fact that it could be real. And I guess in some other countries, um, folks don't want to allude to the fact that this could be real. I don't know. But yeah, it was terrifying. Mm. It wasn't one of these picks that I actually like super loved, but it's in terms of like exorcisms, I thought that the portrayal was pretty good. Interesting. At least what I had in my mind of what it could be, right? Because of course I've seen that scene where Linda Blair's head turns around. Sure. And I've seen like the, you know, get thee behind me or whatever. Yeah. But that's about it. Okay. Right. And so this was just like terrifyingly torturous and yeah, but it's worth, it's worth a watch. I think, especially if you have Amazon prime, cause I'm a big proponent of like, if you pay for it, you might as well just check it out yeah. once. Yeah. And I pay for prime. I pay good money for prime. That's right. Prime <laughs> Love has you, a Amazon. lot of garbage on it, which is awesome. Hashtag sponsor us. Yes, please. Um, so yeah, check it out. And it's, uh, I probably won't ever watch it again. Okay. <laughs> So since we're on the subject of demonic possession, uh, one, uh, okay, this is a film that I don't know if it's on streaming. It just came, popped into my head. But it's something that if you are a fan of truly bad comedies, <laughs> you want to check out Repossessed, which is a comedy exorcism movie. Of a car. That actually has Linda Blair in it as the uh, main character. Oh. And Leslie Nielsen. As the exorcist. All right, I'll watch it. Whose uh, name is Father May I. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Father May I. My 
god, this is like an early scary movies type thing. Yeah, this was yeah. done. This was done in the early nineties. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, watching. I'm watching. Repossessed. It. It's terrible, but you can't look away. It's terrible, and you get to keep your car. But it does have the the very first joke in the movie is the funniest, and I'll, I will I won't say any more. <laughs> but it's Leslie Nielsen, so I'm all about it. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, I'm I'm terrified by demonic possession and and exorcisms in general. They terrify me. Hmm, they just it. I don't know what it is. I think because it, it's like I don't like being in. I like not. I like to be in control, right? Yes. Oh no, I get that absolutely. I <laughs> so totally like, understand. The idea of not being in control of my own body is yeah. just. Ugh. Yeah, and I think that's that's not uncommon. It's even yeah. worse though if you're raised uh in, in super an catholic yeah like super super catholic <laughs> uh i was raised catholic and you know as i've mentioned before but i gave it up for lent and <laughs> uh, but back. as a kid oh i would see like commercials for it on tv but ah, i'm not gonna watch that it's, it's too so freaky. crazy how yeah. like just like nomenclature right you think about that and, and just how common like verbiage that comes out of your parents mouth like oh did you hear about patty sue you know she may be a demon like like what i don't even understand but i do have vivid memories of my grandmother telling me that she thinks someone's possessed and being 100 percent really? serious oh. and me just like not understanding what it was i think i was like five or six at the time and then she yanked on the the dog collar of the of the dog she named et so it, it was just a weird experience uh -huh. altogether but uh, that stuff i just i can't i i I don't know if I can watch The Exorcist because I'm too terrified. You know, it's funny. You have, you do have that in common with uh, the missus, my, my wife, uh, Carolyn, because uh, she cannot tolerate that devil stuff yeah. either. She, oh, she can't like deal with it at all. So Right. And we're mm -hmm. outlander buddies. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah it, it, it's, you're not alone with that. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that's fun. You got some, I get another pick. I do. Oh, sweet. I do. I do. So my second pick. And I am being completely serious about this title. <laughs> is uh -oh. the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Incredible is the word for the world's first monster musical. <laughs> See in magnificent Eastman color, the daring, dancing, enticing, and horrifying. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Who is the woman branded in birth wearing the ward of horror? The world's first monster musical. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Also known as Teenage Psycho meets Bloody Mary. He more hideous than Jack the Ripper. She bloodier than Bluebeard. No one is safe in The Teenage Psycho Meets Bloody Mary, filmed in sensational bloody vision. Movie monsters come alive and go into the audience. You are suddenly surrounded by monsters. You become a party to the horror in The Teenage Psycho Meets Bloody Mary, starring Cash Flag in bloody color. Bloody Mary is in like Mary the First or like no, the drink? No, neither. It doesn't make oh, any sense. Oh, man. It has nothing to do with the movie itself. Oh, nothing man. at all. So this was just try to drum up interest. Uh, I much. see. Now, this movie, and I'm using air quotes for this, is from 1964. And it cost a, sl a slightly more than Manos the Hand of Fate did. Uh, this cost $38,000 to make, which is in today's money a little, a little over $350,000. See, that's still not a lot of money, though. Yeah. Can I just say, too, it seems like a lot of this, like, really cool horror movies came out in the 60s and 70s. 
Yeah, because that's basically when the restrictions were starting to ease as to censorship and things like that. So people were getting away with a lot more. Oh. So, yeah. So that was a time Mm. for a lot of experimentation when it comes to horror movies. Makes sense. So in this film, Incredibly Strange Rage, Stop Living, Became Music, Bobby, a group of regular folks, there's Jerry, there's Angela, there's Harold, they decide to visit a seaside carnival. There is a fortune teller who predicts that one of them will meet an untimely fate. Later, the fortune teller brings Jerry backstage at the carnival and hypnotizes him to become a crazed killer because that's how hypnosis works, right? Yeah. (laughs) Also, Hmm. another thing that terrifies me. Yeah. As it turns out, the fortune teller and her henchmen are turning unsuspecting carnival goers into zombies by throwing acid in their faces because that's how acid works, right? (laughs) (sighs) So, these events, of course come to a head at the end with this sort of army of zombie, not zombies. Uh, and there's, you know, uh, a chase. There's, you know, all kinds of zombies running around willy-nilly. And this, does this, you know, prediction come true? Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. oh, 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 oh. And there are musical numbers. What? It's a musical. Yeah. There are uh, uh, classic songs like Shook Out of Shape. And Choo Choo Chaboogie are in this movie, which if you've never heard of, hey, congratulations, you're, you're better off than I am because I know what they are. <laughs> now, this all sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. And this was just like Manos. This was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, clever. Yeah. So, okay, why, why in the world would I like this particular movie? All right? Yeah. It's because of its director, a man named Ray Dennis Steckler. Okay. Like the notorious Ed Wood before him, Ray loved movies. He loved making movies. He was just really bad at it. But he never stopped. Now, Ray passed away, sadly, a little over a decade ago. Mm -hmm. He never made that hit movie, but the movies he did make have a certain cult following behind them. Now, Ray enjoyed the attention he got uh, for his old movies uh, starting in the 1990s after the little boost from Mystery Science Theater, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he always felt he had a great film in him somewhere. Now, how do I know that? Because Ray Dennis Steckler was my friend. What? Yeah. So after I moved to Las Vegas back in the 90s, I found out that Ray owned a few video stores in town. So I sought him out because I knew about this movie. Store. Yeah. He owned, they were called Mascot Video. And basically it was all like like used films, yeah. like VHS and all that. Right up your um, alley. Yeah. So uh, I went to one of the stores. I met Ray and we had a great conversation about his movies and movies in general. Uh, and after a couple of conversations with him, he promptly recruited me to do some editing work for him. <gasps> for free, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you didn't care. I bet <laughs> yeah. you were starstruck. I didn't care at all. I didn't care. So I agreed. And over the next few years, I got to know the man. Uh, he honestly believed he was a better filmmaker than his output showed. Um, he was probably the only one to believe that, to be honest. <laughs> now, aside from the small amount of money he made owning the video stores... Um, he had to supplement his income shooting adult movies under a pseudonym 
and then using friends to make micro-budget Z movies for the rest of his life, including forgettable fare like the Las Vegas serial killer Ooh. and one of my other favorite titles of his, The Hollywood Strangler Meets the Skid Row Slasher. What's with these long titles? Because it gets people noticing it. That's, <laughs> it was a, you know, all marketing, right? Okay. Now, I liked Ray. He yeah. was what you would call a character, you know? I don't think I ever got to see the real Ray Steckler, and that's fine. Uh, but like most people Ray had in his orbit, I eventually moved on and lost contact with him. Mm. Um, but, you know, occasionally I will watch one of his really dreadful movies just because. Yeah. And, you know, when he passed away, it was 2009, uh, he got... I think probably something he would have really enjoyed. He got a very nice obituary in the New York Times, mm. which I think would have pleased him quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so I was, you know, I was sad. He was in his 70s. So, you know, he was he was getting there. But, um, you know, uh, he was just one of those guys who, who just absolutely loved movies and had a lot of great stories about working with people. He gave some people that were, you know, in movies their first gig. Mm. So, yeah, you know, going back to the Incredibly Strange Creatures, it's not good. <laughs> but I occasionally I'll watch it simply because, you know, Ray was my friend and, you know, he he tried. He mm -hmm. really he did. He tried. He just really wasn't good at making movies. Right. And that's OK. Right. Because he did what he really enjoyed doing. So, Good for him. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of my story about that movie and Ray. Um, so that's, you know, I got a soft spot for it. Yeah, of course. Now, let's let's move on to the scores, okay? Because this is good. <laughs> uh, just what you think. So the incredibly strange creatures who stop living can mix up zombies got a dismal 2.3 out of 10 <laughs> on the Internet Movie Database. A little database, higher than I was expecting. And a completely rotten 17% Ooh. on rotten tomatoes now it's available only on a streaming platform i don't think we've mentioned really a lot if at all on the this criterion channel no fandor i've heard of it i've never actually used it okay it is a streaming platform run by true film lovers and people that are dedicated to the preservation of films it's a subscription service. It's available. You can get it on Apple TV, Roku, Chromecast, and as a channel on Amazon Prime Video channels. It's a separate thing mm. from Amazon Prime Video. It's six bucks a month, and half of the money goes towards film preservation. Oh. So I think it's well worth it. They have great independent titles right now, a lot of cult movies, and it is very um, lovingly curated by the people who run it. So Fandor, uh, I, you know, it sounds like a bad movie in itself. Fandor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check out Fandor. There's some really, really good stuff there. It's kind of like the ebook e website of a library, but for movies. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And they, they, change, they change up. There's not a ton of movies on there, but they change up the lineup. Right. And uh, it's, it's very thoughtfully curated, which, you know, just like the Criterion channel mm -hmm. is uh, streaming as well, which is also fantastic. I love that app. Yeah. Yeah. So, so check out Fandor if you're a true film lover. I think you'll be impressed with their uh, their selection. And they have incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed <laughs> up zombies because they know true quality that doesn't exist. Oh, man. Yeah. So Th that's that, good. That one's for you, Ray. You'll, like, um, you'll be happy to know that people are still watching. 
Aw. Yeah. Do you think that he got many people coming in saying, hey, Ray, I want to talk about your movies, or were you really the only one? No, I think he got some people. Oh, yeah? Okay. I think he did. I really do. I really do. And, uh, you know, there were, after, during the 90s and even the, the late 80s, uh, he got some attention for uh, his films kind of, you know, getting getting a second look. Right. Because of... Ed Wood and other like bad filmmakers right. who were gaining popularity. In fact, uh, in the late eighties, um, I don't know if you know Jonathan Ross. Oh yeah, the 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 British yeah yeah yeah, yeah. TV, TV personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did a series of specials back in the eighties called the Incredibly Strange Film Show, and one of the episodes featured Ray Steckler. It was all the entire episode was about Ray Steckler. Oh. And he, uh, Jonathan Ross, came to America, came to America, came to Las Vegas to interview him and talk to him about his movies and what he was doing and all that. And it was really cool. So yeah, he got his, he got a, a few moments. That's cool. You know, so I was that was always good. That's one of my favorite things. I watch that occasionally, just you know, because it's Ray, right? Ray being Ray. So I, I kind of like that. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 I have some honorable mentions. You have horrible mentions? What? Horrible mentions. <laughs> um, now, I don't know if you can really consider this a... Because everyone, I think everyone who watched it loves it. But there's actually a divided aisle here about this movie. Mm. The Crow with Brandon Lee. Really? I absolutely, beyond a doubt, love this movie. It is a fantastic film. Yeah. I think it was just shot brilliant, brilliantly. The story was great. Obviously, it was very sad because Brandon Lee died yeah, while filming yeah. it. But then I was researching and thinking, I'm going to you know, talk about this. There are some people who think it's just really it's piss poor wow. it's like bad it's it's a curse to bruce lee's name my god all these things and i'm like yeah you people are obviously from the westboro bass Bish. and if nothing else <laughs> it has one of the greatest soundtracks oh of the my gosh 1990s i Fire wore out my cassette tape of the crow soundtrack <laughs> yeah i i think the best scene of two when he's flying through the 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 glass and whatnot but yeah, i love that movie oh then, i do too it's so stylish it was so cool. It yeah. made me want to wear a trench coat every day. Uh, I know, not for me though. Uh, no. Yeah. No. So uh, the, my second one is is kind of a I don't know. It's a funny thing. So I did you ever go to summer camp? No. Okay. So I went to summer camp as a kid a couple of times, and one of them was like way far up north in New Hampshire, amongst the woods, right? Because mm. nobody lives up there. <laughs> um, and one of the things that all the older kids told us to do was to play Bloody Mary in front oh, of the mirror, yeah. right? So uh, I think it's called catropomancy, catropomancy. Basically, it's divination using a mirror, right? Mm, okay. So we would try and conjure Bloody Mary. And then as the years went on, you, you it evolved. So, like, so you needed like two candles on the left side and you need to chant her name three times. And then like you needed a cat and then you needed like, like a, a mirror, a mask, or something like that. So it kept growing and growing, right? What I realized is that um, in some like folklore, she was either like super benign and like, oh, she would help you with your loved ones. And then in other ones, she was like, like obviously really evil and whatnot. It has nothing to do with Mary the first, by the way, although she was also called Bloody Mary. Um, but the, my second sort of horrible mention is the film Bloody Mary from 2006. Basically, um, there's a bunch of nurses at a psychiatric hospital, of course, uh, and they play the mirror game. So that was also called the mirror game when uh, I was a kid at camp. And it also freaked me out because I believe that Bloody Mary would come through the mirror and strangle me. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, uh, check it out. It has uh, Corey Monteith was in it actually before he passed away. Um, and uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just 
silly, silly stupidness. But it didn't get really any good scores. I think it's like a 2.1 on IMDb, but something to check out. So do you think that like Bloody Mary, Candyman, and Beetlejuice are sort of hang out on the other side of the mirror just waiting for people? <laughs> Candyman. Oh, Candyman. Um, yeah, I think I think the thing about Bloody Mary, though, is it's so subjective. Mm. Because like I said, I've heard different versions from like, and it feels like in the Northeast, it's really big. And it's big with kids at camp. Mm. Because what's the one thing you have at camp? is a mirror i don't understand this concept because what do you care what you look like you're getting dirty every day and swimming in the pond with like fish guts and stuff but yet you have a mirror to conjure these like male- malevolent spirits and this is why i didn't go to camp <laughs> you didn't go to camp because you were too pale let's be honest well that's one reason yeah <laughs> all right i've got some horrible mentions of my own Ooh. uh first i want to kind of give a shout out to what may kind of be the inspiration for this episode, and that is the documentary Best Worst Movie. Oh. Best Worst Movie is one of the best, like, sort of making of documentaries mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And it's about the making of one of the worst movies ever made, Troll Trolls 2. Trolls 2. Yes. Trolls 2. I love that movie. Yes. <laughs> it is. It definitely belongs on the I list. I love that movie, yeah. But even better is Best Worst Movie because it goes back to the town where it was shot and talks about how this Italian crew came to this small town, yeah. used locals as actors, yeah. and how that had an impact on their lives ever since. Mm-hmm. It's really sweet. It's not making fun of anybody. It's not like, you know, mean-spirited. It's just a really good little documentary about how this movie, this bad movie, affected the town where it was shot. I actually so, love that movie. Yeah. Best best <laughs> worst movie. Check it out. Do it as a double feature with Troll 2. Yeah. And I think you'll have a great time. All right. Next is Chud. Ew. What is Chud? Chud. Chud is an 80s horror movie. Now, Chud stands for... Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and it is. It's it's a fun '80s horror kind of movie about these creatures that live in the sewers, and it's kind of cool. But the sequel, and this is a rare case, I find the sequel better, which was Chud Two, Bud the Chud, about one of the Chuds <laughs> whose name is Bud. And it's actually pretty oh, funny. Oh god, it's actually a pretty funny movie, oh, like Lord. intentionally. And last but not least. Uh, uh, Jason 10 or Jason X if Jason you Jason X Jason Ugh. X if you you know if you own an iPhone uh, <laughs> it's 10 people it's 10 that's so uh, funny or pretty much any Friday the 13th movie after the original is <gasps> to be fair pleasure. I like the third one and the second one I do like the second and third one okay I mean fair. I don't like like them but I didn't mind them Jason X, though, was just terrible. Oh, but so much fun. But fun, I but terrible. Fun. I, I honestly, put, I probably wouldn't watch it ever again. I put that kind of on a par with Freddy versus Jason, just as, you know, kind of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, fair enough. The Freddy movies were, yeah. Um, what's the one where, yeah, I think that, I think Freddy movies are, are probably one of the ones I, I, yeah, I don't really like them either. They stick in my mummy. But what about that movie Ghost Ship? I forgot to mention that in part of my mentions. Oh, uh, Ghost Ship, yeah. I actually quite like Ghost Ship too, and I think it's so silly. That should like, be uh, that should be another uh, that should be another topic, like movies on boats, like, like aquatic horror. Yeah, aquatic horror. <laughs> that should be good. There's a lot of those. Like, there's one virus which is on a, a yeah. abandoned like tugboat, or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. It's because actually that like happened. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, like the one where there's like a techno a techno virus that's like oh yeah, I don't that's know. an interesting one too. But uh, yeah, so there's, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, 
basically you should enter our contest. Yes, and tell us more about this contest, would you, Amanda? So our contest is we're looking for you, that's all three of you listeners, you, you to write into us, send us all your suggestions, mm-hmm. DM us, email yep. us, Facebook us, tweet us, anything like Carrier that. Carrier pigeon, whatever. Carrier pigeon, smoke signals, yeah. ravens. Um, but if you want to suggest a, a topic for the show, we would love to hear it. Yes, so we would. we're we're offering you the chance of a lifetime Ooh-hoo. to win Publishers Clearing Houses most wait, second wait, no, warrant. Wait, wait, no, not that. Oh, oh, that's um, a different one altogether. Okay, sorry. Anyways, it's going to be a really cool prize pack, though. You get a Mm t-shirt, and we've got a pin for you. We've got a magnet for you, Mm -hmm. stickers. Listen, we're going all out. Yes. And you could win this. And guess what? It's open internationally, too. So if you want, head over to thedeepdivepodcast.com, where you will find a link to our email and to our Instagram, where we're pretty active. Send us a message. And then the even, I think the best part of this whole thing is that we'll find a way to get you onto this show. Virtually, of course. Virtually, yes. Because we social distance and I still have to wear that hazmat suit. Something we call an audio hologram. (laughs) So a telephone call? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, take a look, right? Um, And uh, really consider entering this contest because, you know, not only is it really fun for us to hear from you, we also really take your suggestions into into heart and we, we think about them. We give them active like 10 minutes of thought because we have none of our own well this is true mm. so that brings me to my second point if you want go ahead and rate us on itunes because yes. guess what it turns out systematically and scientifically if you rate us on itunes we get to reach more listeners hey and that's what the world needs right now they need us they need us because we're the only thing that's not scared of the pandemic we are the light at the end of the tunnel which is a train <laughs> coming, coming at right you. at you yep <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, man. What a fun episode. This is week three. Yeah, week three. So week four. Ooh. Now we're going to pose a question. What's scarier than a Stephen King movie? Bad tofu. Yes, that is exactly right. That is the only correct answer, by the way. <laughs> Next week, we make our stand Ooh. and go over our favorite Stephen King adaptation. This is going to be tough for me, I think, because there are so many. And there are only so many that I have seen. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this right. is going to be good. I think so. I think so. There's. Uh, it's not exactly like a uh, genre that you don't have any choices. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to dig through. Yeah, because yeah, they're all vastly different. I mean, and we're not going to, I don't think we're going to go the route of like just Pet cemetery because there's a, an abundance oh, yeah. of of. You know, oh yeah, media out there. Oh yeah, definitely. So, but this is—we're coming to the end of Halloween Horror Month of 2020. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. it's been great so far. You guys know how much we love Halloween, and, yes. and we obviously can't wait uh, to do episode four. But we're also coming up on season three. Amazing! I can't even get my mind around that. They said it couldn't be done. <clears throat> everyone said they that. They said it shouldn't be. Done. They everyone said we shouldn't even attempt it. No, but we did. We don't listen. And. He- we don't. We expect you to listen. Exactly. Because it's a <laughs> podcast. Check out the deep dive podcast.com. Pick up yourself a limited edition t-shirt. And you know what? While you're there, check out our old episodes. And subscribe. And subscribe. Thank you so much. Now, on behalf of the amazing Mandalorian and Ooh. myself, Tom Feeney, please stay healthy and don't answer the phone. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All clips used on this podcast are intended for educational purposes only and not to infringe on any existing copyrights. Ooh.
Dirty Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios. Ah, ah, ah.